Spirit Radio Podcasts. Now, the Grenfell Tower fire in London took place less than two weeks ago. It was a tragedy at a scale in terms of the loss of life. Uh, with 79, we know are presumed dead that many of us uh, don't think was possible in a first world country. It's led, us, it's led to a renewed focus on fire safety in the UK and also made us ask some questions about uh, our own countries, uh, wherever we're watching from. So should we be worried about a tragedy uh, on this scale uh, in Ireland and should we be taking action to do something about it? And what do we need to know? Well, I'm very pleased to say uh, that uh, joining me in studio, we have Adrian Buckley from Buckley Partnership Architects to unpack that and a few other things for us this morning. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Dominic. Great to be here. Yeah, so thanks for thanks for coming in. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, a lot of talk has, has taken place around the Grenfell Tower disaster, but, I mean, the real question is what, what went wrong here to, to, yeah, to, to make it so horrible? Yeah, I'm like, what a tragic story, and it's really only unfolding. It's unfolding day by day. You know, there seems to have been a number of key aspects which combined made an atrocious situation. Um, you know, yesterday we actually found out what the ins- what the insulation material was on the facade. On the news, it was kind of it, it's PE, it's polyethylene. You know, which uh, up until yesterday we didn't know what the product was. Uh, so you've got the cladding on the outside of the building, which clearly was you know, conducting the fire as the wind caught it, it it just went up the facades externally on all the sides. Uh, Tragic to see. Also, the format of the building, you know, it's a 60 metre high building. It has one stairs. Uh, You know, this seems kind of almost illogical um, that you can build a building 60 metres high and only have one stairs for people to get out. So uh, what I've read is that, in fact, the instruction for the residents was that if there was a fire or an incident, they had to stay in their apartment and wait, you know, uh, for, you know, till such time as they are directed to leave the building. Uh, so, you know, in the context where you have a combination of a cladding material on the outside of the building, which is, you know, allowing the fire to spread so aggressively and so quickly around the building, um, at the same time as instructing, uh, you know, people to remain in the building, you know, in the case of an incident. Um, you know, how does this relate to regulations here in Ireland? You know, uh, as, you, as you mentioned there in your opening, like, that's a very interesting question. Uh, in Ireland, we have uh, regulations TGD Part B, uh, just to name <laughs> the document. Right. And, um, you know, it kind of sets out, you know, the parameters for designers to follow. It sets up the rules and all the designers need to ensure that they are compliant with that. Um, so one key aspect of that is the height of the building. So... Uh, in a building, say, up to 10 metres, uh, where the highest floor is up to 10 metres above the ground floor, there is kind of one set of regulations. When you go beyond that, you know, the regulations that are required, you know, they start to become a lot more demanding and onerous. You're only allowed to have a single uh, stairs building in Ireland up to 10 metres in height. This building was six times that height. Um, also, it's very strange for me as an architect to understand that this building had a major renovation only two or three years ago and the issue of the stairs wasn't addressed. Um, you know, in the Irish building regulations, uh, when a building has a major refit, you know, there is an onus on the designers to reassess that building and to decide whether, in fact, you know, there is some improvements required to bring the building up to current standard. Uh, now, 
British regulations would suggest that you know having a single uh, stairs building up to 60 metres high isn't compliant either. Uh, so you know how that got through that, uh, there was a much discussion about whether the building should be sprinklered. Again, uh, if you have a building that has a deficit, if you are retrofitting a building and there is a known deficit, at the very least there should be some offset, you know, perhaps some fire engineering solution that will allow an offset so that because there is a deficit in one area, a known deficit, that you must introduce life-saving hardware that can address that and protect the occupants. Mm -hmm. So there's so many aspects of that, of this this whole... um, scheme that there's so many questions to answer. I think uh, ordinarily, I don't think this could have happened in Dublin, to be perfectly honest. You know, Mm. that a building would have had a major refit in the past three or four years and, you know, still not have achieved current fire standards. Um, but, it, but but sort of what's interesting about what you're saying is that, and, and we don't have all the information perhaps about British regulations and all that, but it does seem to be the case that perhaps it shouldn't have, have been legal to do it in the UK either. And that's why there's, there's potential investigations and things. But it's a real failure of, of bureaucracy and a real, it shows, a, I suppose, a lack of care for, for, for people that you'd shove them in a building like that and, and so and renovate it in, in inverted commas in this way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you That's know, more of a more of a moral question than a design one. But the des- but design is about finding solutions, surely, not not uh, creating problems. <laughs> yeah, and you know, just to hear like yesterday in in the news, what I read was that there was a commercial discussion in the fitting of the insulation to this building, and the developer or the builder who was carrying out the works proposed the particular product because he had a two pound per square meter saving. You know, uh, wow. th- that was, the, you know, I, I can't kind of verify sa- that. saved five That's what I read in an article yeah, yeah. yesterday, yeah, you yeah. know. So, um, you know, my understanding in the UK is that, um, you know, a local authority actually approves the building. You know, the, all the build, all the drawings and all the technical specifications are submitted to the local authority uh, in a building control application in advance of the construction project taking place. So it actually gets approved by the local authority. So in this case, uh, with this with the Grenfell Tower, it would appear that the local authority have approved, uh, you know, a scheme for renovation, which is defective. You know, mm. um, uh, in Ireland it's slightly different because here the designer actually must stand over and take responsibility for his own design. You mm. know, uh, which I think actually is a safer way of approaching things. Well, it gives it gives um, personal responsibility. Absolutely. I suppose. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, in terms of the way houses are built, you're saying that Irish regulations are, are pretty good, and the setup here is good. I mean, homeowners here uh, should they be concerned? We've had a few articles back and forth. You know, you see people saying, "Oh, attics are are not se- segregated," and there's there's risks here and there. But I mean, in general, is are are, are people right to be worried? Well, obviously, when you're doing uh, work to your house, Mac, it's very important that you use the right contractors, the right products, you know, and you get professional help. Um, you know, I would say that it would be important that if you do decide to use an insulation product on your house, that you ask that the uh, Irish Agrimont certificate or the BBA certificate of com- conformity be provided to you. And what they are is, you know, they're documents which which confirm that the product is suitable for the use in your home that 
it is being put to, but they also generally define how it's to be used. So in a BBVA certificate, for example, it will actually have, you know, the appropriate details of construction of how that material can be used in a safe manner. You know, so it begs the question, I'm unclear at the moment and it's unfolding, you know, in the media daily, what, you know, all those details. But I would love to know whether the... uh, the uh, assembly of insulation and panel that was installed on the outside of the tower, whether there was the appropriate certification and BBA certificates for that type of installation in the manner in which it was installed. Mm, yeah, indeed. Well, I suppose we're, we're going to find out more about that in the days to come and yeah. uh, in terms of, of perhaps Irish buildings using the same insulation. I don't know if we know anything about that. But yeah, well, PE isn't something that's terribly popular here in Ireland. Um, where you would see it in Ireland would be, say, lagging radiator pipes and things like that. It's, you know, in Ireland you'd see it in its grey form, mm. often used for pipe lagging. Yeah. So much more uh, kind of less extensive in terms of its surface area. Uh, there is some roll products, particularly the ones with the foil and PE. It's like a sandwich, a very thin roll, um, which you see PE being used for, but it's it's really not extensively used in Ireland. Um, mm. So, 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 yeah. We can, well, so, so maybe we shouldn't say we should rest easy, but uh, it does say it's a terrible tragedy and lessons must be learned. Lessons, and, you know, yeah. we absolutely need to review our building stock and ensure you know a check needs to be done. You mm, know, indeed. I, I think what we're poor on here is uh, communicating information on the construction and fabric of buildings to those who have the responsibility for keeping them safe in the case of a fire incident. Mm. So I do think there is improvement required so that perhaps uh, we, we've implemented a new system in Ireland over the last couple of years called the BCMS, which is a, you know, a very welcome uh, you know, increase in regulation here. And you know, that involves uh, all the specifications and technical details being submitted online to the local authority in advance of construction. There's no reason why all of that information can't be made available to the fire officer so that before they even leave the fire station, you know, they would have an awareness of any tower building in Dublin, for example. They'll know its makeup because they'll have seen the details. They'll know what they're dealing with, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, well, that, that just seems like common sense, and let's hope someone's, someone's listening to that advice. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, since I have you in here, Adrian, yeah. and, and you are an architect uh, dealing with, with, you know, houses as, as well as other bigger types of buildings and so on, House prices are, again, on the agenda. I mean, you and I have spoken about this on the show before, but the whole thing seems to be spiralling out of control. We've got huge amounts of land that's not being built on. There's lots of housing stock that's not not up for sale. Less than 5% of it, uh, I think less than 1% of it perhaps in Dublin is for sale, and that's, that's not a properly functioning market. So uh, what, what can be done about this? Yeah, well, Mac, we have uh, a couple of intrinsic issues which are not being dealt with. You know, Mac, obviously the key issues, we have a supply issue. Um, and then we also have a financing issue. You know, there is a real issue out there in terms of access to funds. As an architect, I worked with a number of property developers over the years. Most of those developers now either lost control of all that they were working on, all the projects, you know, or they're in a situation where they can't secure finance to develop a project that they still, a site that they still have control of. Um, What we have seen after the NAMA, you know, process has been that large multinational companies have kind of assumed control of vast, you know, uh, bundles of uh, property projects. And um, 
I suspect that they actually lack some of these international uh, companies lack the local knowledge and you know the you know wherewithal to get let's say medium and smaller size projects moving. Um, so uh, you know what happened you know in terms of really trying to. Uh, rectify the banking situation as quickly as possible with the introduction of the NAMA process has had an implication in terms that the the local property developer take any Irish country town many of them had you know a person who was really advocating that town trying to invest in it you know get development into it those people are largely gone now Mm -hmm. and uh, so there's nobody kind of uh, who's really trying to, uh, you know, at a local level, property, devel- property development has gone from being local to being international, to, uh, you know, for particularly at scale, and, uh, and access to funds. You know, I have one client, uh, one developer who's still hanging in there. He's just managed to exit the NAMA process, and I'm meeting him tomorrow uh, so we can discuss maybe trying to get one of his sites moving, you know, so that he can try and get on his feet again. That's wonderful to see. But uh, at the moment, we have a supply issue, which is driving price, and we have a f- access to finance issue, mm. which is which is um, you know, which means that you know for many property developers and local small building contractors, they don't have access to funds at the moment. Right. Um, so what's to be done? Well, what I'd love to see happening, and Meg, you and I talked extensively recently about the breakdown of the cost of a house, and you know, you know almost 40% of the cost of the house is in tax. What I would love to see happening, uh, my suggestion for what it's worth, <laughs> I'm going to be brave here now and spit it out. Um, <coughs> All right, get why ready, don't, here it is. <laughs> why don't we, um, and Meg, obviously the Help to Buy scheme is a welcome scheme and, you know, there's €20,000 impact for, you know, first-time buyers. There's been criticism that perhaps it uh, had uh, the potential to fuel the market in some way or fuel price. I think what would be fantastic to happen would be, given that we know the tax take on a house, when you go to the supermarket and you buy your shopping, you get a receipt. And on the receipt, it lists out all the products that you buy and it lists the taxes that you pay. Hmm. Why don't we have the same receipt when you buy a house, okay, that lists the construction price of the house, the site price, and the tax that's due on the house, that, that's been paid by the contractor. And as the purchaser of your new home, that you have the possibility in your uh, tax return over the following 20 years for the duration of your mortgage that you can get a tax break against the tax that was paid for the construction of your house. It, that protects um, the market, it protects the price in the market because it isn't fueling you know, uh, a change in price by 20000 What you're doing is you're actually helping people to be able to afford their house over an extended period in correlation with the payment of their mortgage. Um, and also, because they're doing it on their tax return, it means that people who are living in Ireland, Irish citizens, are essentially offsetting it against their income tax payment. And uh, that, if you like, secures it from external investment. We've seen in London, for example, where property prices have been fueled by foreign investors, you know, buying swathes of property in, in single transactions. We, we don't want a situation where that can happen here in Ireland. So I think this, as a mechanism, might be a way to protect 
uh, the Irish market. You know, uh, is this is this your idea? This is my idea. This is your idea. Well, I think it's a very good idea, uh, Adrian. And um, I think I think we should just let that idea sit there, and we'll um, and we'll talk about it again. And we'll see if we'll see if anyone catches on uh, with this idea. But it's it's. Um, it's let's let's hope someone we we can get that uh, that word out there because I think it's an excellent thought because tax really is such a challenge, isn't it? It is. Thanks for listening to our Spirit Radio podcast. Don't miss out. Subscribe today. Find out how at spiritradio.ie.